0: This is Unaided, the Brand Building Podcast, brought to you by LeakSide, a Team Snap company. Get ready to learn about brand marketing strategy from the experts. Here's your host, Evan Brandoff. Hello and welcome to the tropical edition of the Wind Podcast from sunny Florida. I'm your host, Evan Brandoff. Today, we welcome Mitch Schusteris to the show. Mitch is the Director of Physician Enterprise Marketing at Atlantic Health System based in Morristown, New Jersey. Mitch's team is responsible for the digital and traditional marketing efforts of over 1,500 physicians and advanced practice clinicians across more than 400 sites of care in central northern New Jersey and northeast Pennsylvania. Let's get into it. Mitch, hello. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Evan. Thanks for having me on.
0: I should say welcome to the tropical version of the show. It's coming to you from South Florida, which I believe you lived in for a little bit, right?
1: I did. I lived in Aventura, which is about 10 minutes north of Miami Beach back in like 2003.
0: Nice. Is that where you grew up? Where are you from originally?
1: So I was born in New York City and lived most of my life in New Jersey. We moved down to South Florida when my grandparents decided to retire. My parents thought, let's get out of the cold. We <laughs> realized that South Florida was not for us pretty quickly, and moved back to New Jersey to finish up high school.
0: So that's interesting. Best, my parents are now trying to convince my wife and I to move down here. Is the more of the story? Don't do it until you are also ready to retire.
1: Life down there is just different. It's slower. <laughs> like going to the bank is like a half-day activity when, like, the northeastern New York City environment is like. All right. I just got to get in and out in five minutes. So right. it's just a different culture to get used to. Weather-wise, you have me beat because it's like 27 degrees out here in New Jersey. But the lifestyle is just a bit different. Great to visit, different to live in.
0: Yeah. Did you grow up in the city?
1: No. We moved to the suburbs of New York City rather quickly when I was about two years old.
0: Oh, uh, Okay. Nice. I'm from Long Island. So uh, I'm sure if we played some Jewish geography, we know a bunch of people from...
1: Either if you're a Jew, yeah. it's New York City, Long Island, or New Jersey. So those are your choices.
0: Yeah. So, all right. Grew up in New York, family in Florida. How did you get into healthcare marketing originally?
1: So my family has come from healthcare. My grandmother was one of the chief doctors in Moscow back in the 60s and, and 70s. My grandmother and mother emigrated from the Soviet Union to New York City in 1977. And then she decided to continue her journey as a physician and had to learn the English language and had to recertify and board. And she did wow. it. And she's kind of been my inspiration for healthcare. I remember as a kid working in her physician's office, doing some filing or whatever you have like your six, seven to eight year old grandson do for a day. And I've always been surrounded by healthcare. Both my parents went into healthcare. My mom was in ultrasound and my dad was a nuclear medicine technologist. So I knew that I didn't want to be clinical, but I knew that I wanted to take my skills in the business communication marketing field, and apply them to a field like healthcare where I could really connect with people.
0: That's so interesting. So it's February 28th, the date of this recording. There's been a war going on in Russia for a couple of weeks. Do you still have family over there?
1: Yeah, so the war is happening in Ukraine. Russia has correct. Yes, (laughs) Um, I do still have some distant family living in Ukraine. I believe maybe some in Russia, but my wife also happens to be Russian. Has current family members living in Ukraine who have been pretty severely affected by what's going on right now. It's pretty nuts.
0: Yeah, it is absolutely insane what's happening over there. But I also have some lineage from that region. And just the stories of what's happening over there is crazy and just hope that everyone stays healthy. Is your wife's family doing okay?
1: Yeah, so far so good. The Facebook updates and the text messages that we get are rather nutty. My wife's cousin posted the fact that they're collecting glass bottles to help create Molotov cocktails and they need a certain amount of milliliters to fit in glass bottles come to Mm. this address. It's pretty scary that in 2022, folks need to deal with this kind of threat. It just, Terrible. It's just scary.
0: Did you see the pictures of the NICU that they had to move to a bunker?
1: Yeah, it's wild. I saw a post on Reddit last night of a woman who's trying to find an OBGYN who's supposed to be delivering any day now. And she just doesn't know where to turn. And all these people from all across the world are saying, "You know, I'm a doctor, I can telehealth, we could do it virtually, and I can guide whoever you have around you mm-hmm. to deliver a baby. But Who is expecting this nine-month pregnant woman who doesn't know where to turn to to deliver her baby?
0: (sighs) Well, hope that your extended family is safe and hope this craziness comes to an end as quickly as possible. I Uh, hope
1: so as well.
0: Yeah. But transitions are fun. Let's transition back to... (laughs) How do you transition from that? (laughs) (laughs) But it's incredible. You lead a team that is responsible for the digital and traditional marketing efforts of over 1,500 physicians and advanced practice clinicians across more than 400 sites of care in Central and Northern New Jersey and Northern Pennsylvania. That is a mouthful and a lot of responsibility. For a marketing department that is responsible for so many different constituents, what does your marketing team look like? How many people are on it?
1: So we have a marketing department that consists of Different kind of sex. So, my team is responsible for the physician enterprise. And what that okay. means is all the physicians that are employed by our health system, which is Atlantic Health, we support their marketing efforts. So, it's the doctor's offices in your neighborhood, it's the doctors who are employed that are actually located within our hospital. So, like our oncologists, our hospitalist medicine physicians. So, we support any and all of the efforts for all of our employed doctors. Now, The difference in the other teams, they support service line or hospital marketing. So Mm. when we want to focus on cardiology as a whole and all the awards and recognitions that go along with that or the hospital as a whole, we have teams supporting that. So my team consists of pretty small, but very powerful. We have two digital marketing folks that look at all of our digital presence and look at all the vendors and partner relationships we could use digital technology to connect our folks with. And then we have one graphic designer responsible for all the graphic, the print elements that we do. And then we have one traditional marketing strategist who meets with the individual physician leaders or practice leaders and comes up with marketing plans to solve whatever we're trying to solve.
0: Interesting. So how closely are you working with the, the service line marketing departments?
1: Really closely, because our physicians, many of them make up majority of the service line. So there are community right. doctors that are affiliated with the health system that are part of the service line. But then there's the employee doctors that work for Atlantic Health System. Those are the doctors that we support. So many of the service line initiatives, we're partnering with our service line marketing folks to ensure the message is on point, make sure that they, the service line understands the scope of who we have internally within our physician enterprise. And we want to make sure that the service line is saying the same thing that the physicians are and that our look and feel is similar as well. So we partner with them pretty closely.
0: Interesting. And I assume that your team is who has a really close relationship with all the different physicians.
1: Um, yeah, I think that that's really what's made our team so successful. I think it comes down, like with anything, the relationships matter and we are the boots on the ground that meet with our physicians. We try to do it as regularly as possible, but four people supporting 1500s, pretty tough to do. So uh, part of our onboarding process, our ongoing kind of marketing process is regular meetings. What's working well, what we could do better. And many of the times it's just checking in, how's it going? Everything's great. This is kind of an update of what we're doing as a marketing team for you. And many of the practices are up and running. They have a website, they have Kind of these ongoing marketing campaigns that they're a part of, and they don't need any kind of custom support. Where we do take a little bit more action is the new practices, some volume building initiatives or practices that are just need a little bit more help from the marketing team. That's where we really create that custom approach for
0: these doctors. Interesting. So, what's your form of communication with? Are those phone calls, questionnaires? <laughs> How do you communicate with so many different people? So
1: I think there is no one right answer to that. I think it initially starts with that face-to-face relationship. I think people respond so much better once they could put a face to a name. These people are getting hit up by so many different people via email, whether it's outside vendors, internal departments. So once you establish that relationship face-to-face, then you can start leveraging other forms of communications, whether it's email, texts, phone calls, in-person meetings through their practice manager delegate delegate they select, but definitely establishing that first face-to-face, this is who I am, this is what we do, and this is how we can help you. That's really important.
0: Right. So what I'm trying to visualize right now is how a marketing campaign comes to life that involves the service line, your department with the different physicians, how you incorporate physician feedback, and, and what that flywheel looks like. So... I guess what comes first is it the service lines initiative, or does it start with feedback from physicians?
1: So this is a one of the major issues that we're trying to tackle. We as an industry, actually healthcare, traditionally everything has been hospital focused or service line focused, where the service line or a particular hospital comes to you and say, "Hey, we want to increase volumes to our cardiology team, right? We want to increase the number of uh, heart cases that our OR does a year," and we're there to support them. We come up with different tactics, whether digital, traditional, referral, marketing. But what we are shifting as into as an industry is patient first. So instead of thinking of individual organs that we're trying to build volume for, let's think about our marketing efforts through the eyes of the patient. There's a very small amount of our total community or our total patient population that might need a cardiac surgery, that might need cardiac care. But what they do need is primary care or care that's convenient for them. What do they care about? Exercise, diet, staying healthy, staying out of the hospital. That message needs to come to the forefront as opposed to the traditional message of, hey, heart care, come here because we have the best ORs for Mm. cardiology, you know, our cases are well. Let's market to them for the things that matter to them and then offer communication and offer services when they do need those cardiac services. So that shift of organ or service line specific or hospital specific marketing, I think it needs to change to start putting the patient's needs first. And then once they, they get that care, they build those relationships, they build trust with our physicians, our brand. then we're there for them when they do need those heart cases, those cardiology services. So I think that our relationship with service line is going to need to change to start thinking about the patients first and really show Service Line that when we do shift our thinking and our messaging to build trust for patients, then they will come and get their cardiac services with our system, with our Service Line, because we're messaging them with information that they want and they digest, they understand, and they use in their everyday lives. Right. Then, God forbid, they need a, a cardiac surgeon. They already have that trust. They know that Atlantic Health Systems are go-to healthcare system. They built this relationship. And oh, look at that. They're the number one cardiac program in New Jersey. I might as well go there, right? So I think that shift is coming. We just have a new chief marketing officer join us. from He used to be the old chief marketing officer for Bed Bath & Beyond. Hmm. And what's interesting is he's out of industry. So he really wears that consumer first hat. And the analogy that he always brings up is back at Bed Bath & Beyond, We didn't know who needed a toaster, but we knew that we wanted to message them with our overall kind of services and what they do need, whether it's kids moving away from college, Christmas time is coming, these are some holiday gifts. So really making a holistic approach to their marketing, bringing that to healthcare is kind of that next shift that we as an industry are really embarking on now.
0: So a lot of interesting tidbits in there. First off, I don't think I've ever seen a CMO come from a different industry into healthcare. So I'm really excited to see what they're able to do in this role and just change. Not having bad habits from being in the industry for for too long, like not knowing what you don't know could be such an advantage. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they're able to achieve here. The second thing, patient first. It's definitely a hot phrase that you see in the industry now and I think conceptually, I get it. But just like you said, it's thinking about the patient first with your marketing tactics, giving them the content and the resources they need to make their own smart decisions. But what does that look like in actuality? Is it a change in content that you're distributing? Is it a change in channels of how you're reaching patients? What does this new world of marketing look like?
1: So I think that shift from hospital-centric and service line-centric approach to patient first looks like this. I think that access is king. If you see all these new disruptors in healthcare, like the Walmarts, who are opening up primary care services within their brick and mortar stores, like the Walgreens, like the Minute Clinics, like these virtual telehealth disruptors that are coming into play, people need and want access. So I can't tell you all the stories of, I called my doctor because I was really sick. I wanted to be seen. And they said, the next appointment is a week from now. Well, I'm not going to be sick in a week from now. We need to solve that access issue. And we started to with online scheduling and telehealth. We saw the complete 180 in our use of telehealth services during the last two years with COVID. Prior to March, 2020, we were not on telehealth for general visits. like It was too big of a lift. There's billing, there's REMR. How do we integrate it? How do we ensure that we're following appropriate protocols? Within two weeks, we went from about 1% telehealth utilization to we're seeing over 80%, I believe, all through telehealth virtually. So I think this has shown us that we need to get out of our own way with just because we've done it this way and like look at all these reasons why it's hard, why we can't we need to be able to shift because these new disruptors, these new technology companies that are coming into the healthcare space, they're going to figure it out and they're going to do it rather quickly. And if we don't, the patients are going to utilize healthcare services that are easy and quick and convenient for them. I'm in a think tank group with some folks in the industry and we're looking at the Amazon coming into the healthcare space. So they're thinking about doing diagnostic testing right to home. So you Mm -hmm. click a button, you need to get whatever test, click a button, package arrives next day. They'll guide you via an app of what you're doing, whether it's a live person or not. I'm not sure yet. You send it back, you get your results like the next day. That is convenience. That is access. That is what consumers want and need. And really, there's no reason why People need to come into a hospital wall to, to get certain types of care. If you can do something at home and you don't need to find part drive, find parking, figure out where you're going, you can do that all from the comfort of your own home. Why can't healthcare start implementing those same types of innovations to us? There are certain things like obviously surgery you can't do at home. That will always need hospitals. And we're here for that. And we'll continue to get better in that space. But we really need to start thinking about how do we shift certain services outside of our walls to yours or wherever it's convenient to you.
0: Yeah, I love that mindset. And COVID was so difficult on all of us and the healthcare industry specifically. But I think one silver lining is that telehealth appointments are way more prevalent now. And it's shifting towards being able to get care at home.
1: Yeah, I spoke to some physicians prior to COVID and during COVID and after COVID about the telehealth experience. And before it was like, are no, we officially no.
0: after COVID, according to well, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But after this last Omicron wave, it feels like life's kind of getting back and the masking mandate, so CDC kind of lowers. So maybe I jumped the gun a little bit, but it's, <laughs> we're in a lull, thankfully, right now. So speaking with these physicians prior to or on the onset of COVID or prior, no, telehealth's not good. You need to be able to touch and feel and really kind of see the patients and no, no, no. Then they started using it because they needed to, figuring out the technology, okay. And then after or at the moment, they're like, wow, it makes my life and the patient's life so much easier to be able to just do a follow-up on telehealth. So things that they needed to come in for just for like a five-minute, oh, how you feeling? You started a new medication or you just had some kind of procedure, everything all right. You can do that using telehealth without wasting time of getting to the site of care. And the physician actually has more time to talk with the person because they're not worried from jumping from person from room to room and all that kind of stuff. They could just sit back to back on their computer and get all these follow-ups done. So I think that shift in the mentality of telehealth is bad is telehealth is good depending on the use case.
0: Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love how you point out that it's not just a win for the patient, the consumer. It's a win for the practice and the physician, how they're able to see so many more patients. And yeah, so I'm excited to see what innovation comes next. And I'm sure a big part of your role is helping... Well, first off, I'm sure that a big piece of your role, for better or for worse, is hearing constructive feedback from different physicians of what you could be doing better. So here's an opportunity to let them all know you hear them. And what is the most common piece of feedback of what the marketing department could be doing better for local physicians in the community?
1: So I love all of our physicians, highly educated, well-trained physicians. I like to always listen to their ideas. And some of them are really good because I think that some marketing ideas are very local and the physicians know their communities, which is great. So, and no one community is alike and the physicians are the boots on the ground and they deal with those communities. So I like to hear where their head's at. Previously, I would say this is a few years ago, but I think this has changed since now is number one request is I need a billboard with my face on it. And (laughs) I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. Other than ego and your family driving by whatever highway and seeing your face, how do we track results? What is that going to do? Are there better, more efficient ways of doing the same thing? And now with really the increase of our digital marketing efforts and results and trackable data, we really shifted a lot of that effort to digital marketing tools, where I can say we spent X amount of dollars on a marketing campaign And these are the results. These are the actual people that came in for an appointment. And this is our estimated ROI. Can't really do that as well with those traditional marketing things like a billboard or direct mail. There's a level of of human error in that. So it's mostly awareness building, but these new digital tools allow you to track. So that's really where I shift the conversation to because uh, physicians are typically data-driven. And if you can show them hard facts and data to a marketing campaign... They'll get it right away.
0: So to that point though, bottom of the funnel is so important. Being able to prove ROI is paramount in marketing. That said, how much have you shifted towards strictly bottom of the funnel tactics versus building brand awareness of your physicians in the communities that they serve?
1: I definitely think there has been a significant shift to the those trackable initiatives where we can show ROI. We like to implement as best as possible. Certain tactics within those hard to track initiatives, like QR codes or a dedicated phone number. And then it's a training thing. So if we have like a newspaper ad or a direct mail, we know that not everyone is going to like use that code that's on it. They'll just call the practice and schedule appointment. It's making sure that front end team member is asking how you heard about us. There is human error in that. Not everyone's going to ask, not everyone's going to track appropriately. So there are still ways to kind of get ROI out of those traditional, but we've definitely seen a significant shift into those data-driven initiatives. If I had to place a percentage on it, it's probably 60-40, maybe, but that is constantly changing depending on what we're trying to do there.
0: Right. That's that's really interesting. I guess digital is probably going to be the answer, but I shouldn't be answering the question I'm going to ask. What are ways that you're able to help? 1500 different people get local at scale in all the different communities that you serve.
1: Yeah. So one of my messages to the physicians and to the practices and and the practice operation folks is you need to think about this as your own business. You need to invest yourself into your community. And I always say, you'll know your community better than I do. And we're here to support you from an enterprise level. And obviously we do individual marketing, but they know what's going on in their town. They know that a doctor is retiring, who's been a prominent name, who's a competitor of theirs. Here's an opportunity to get their name out a little bit more. They need to bring that to us. They really need to embed themselves in their communities and really be a part of it. So I rely to them on customized kind of feedback of what's going on and where they see opportunities, whether it's a farmer's market that happens a street away every Sunday whether it's an organization that they feel that they want to partner with in their community, that would be beneficial to not only them, but to that other organization as well. So there's no way I can kind of track all these 400 different sites and what's going on in each. I want to empower those physicians, those practices to really feel like they can be the boots on the ground and the eyes and ears of what their communities need and what their communities respond to. If it's a physician practice that's located in a Spanish-speaking community, we need to be having marketing initiatives translated into Spanish. We need to think about how we actually are connecting with those communities, but that those communities are really understanding and digesting that message. We're not just checking the box, oh, we did a direct mail. Well, the direct mail that we sent them wasn't understood because they don't speak English, I speak Spanish, right? So I need them to kind of come up with their individual community's needs and then we go from there.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. By the way, I just noticed, is that an uh, award behind you? Best of uh, US News?
1: So whenever the US News and World Report rankings come out, we just make sure that we have signage for the practices that like build it. So this is our 2021, 2022. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is from Morristown Medical Center, which is our flagship hospital up here in Morristown, New Jersey. So very proud of them and all of our hospitals that always continue to be clinically excellent.
0: Amazing. Well, it is an honor to have an (laughs) award-winning marketer on the WinGrid podcast. It's not me, it's
1: the care team. It's really our nursing staff, our clinical team members, our physicians, our advanced practice clinicians. You said it right at the beginning. So that is the politically correct term for non-physician caregivers that have their own patients. So like nurse practitioners, physician's assistants, people who see patients on their own, but aren't physicians. So that is the PC term, advanced practice clinician.
0: Advanced practice clinician. That's it. Okay. I will incorporate that into my vernacular going forward. (laughs) Thank you. Mitch, the last part of the episode is called The Lightning Round. So it's four questions. You've got two minutes total to answer them. So the first thing that just comes to mind. All right. Are you ready? All right. I am ready. What is your favorite youth sports memory?
1: Favorite youth sports memory had to be when I first started playing rec basketball. I was waiting for... Someone was foul shooting a free throw and me being the tall guy that I am, I'm 6'4", not when I was 10 or whenever. I was waiting for the rebound. He missed it. I took it and I put it back up and sport for the other team. So that one really sticks out to me. So uh,
0: <laughs> It is amazing how often people's favorite youth sports memory is a low light that <laughs> sticks with them. When you were in middle school, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: I actually wanted to be a dentist when I grew up. I have no recollection why I wanted to be a dentist. So I have no dentists in the family. And that kind of changed when I was in high school. I knew that I wanted to get into some kind of marketing, communications, business type role. But yeah, dentist.
0: Hmm. What is a brand whose marketing you admire most?
1: A brand whose market doesn't have to be healthcare, it could be anyone.
0: Anything. Yeah, anyone.
1: All right. So I'm a big Elon Musk fan. So anything that he touches, whether it's Tesla or SpaceX, with tying it back to the whole Russian-Ukraine war that's going on, Over the weekend, one of the people in Ukraine reached out to Elon Musk saying like, hey, Russia's cutting off our internet. And with his satellite internet offering, I forgot the name of the branded term, he turned on satellite internet for the whole company. So I think a leader is the face of a brand. And that's just amazing.
0: Yeah. Hard to disagree with that. And then finally, Mitch, what is a go-to cause that you support?
1: A go-to cause. I honestly can't pick one cause because I feel like you want to be there for your individual community. So I think people just need to get involved on a local level. It's great to give to like national and international charity. I personally find it more impactful when I know that I'm supporting my local community, whatever that definition is, whether it's geographic or ethnic or religious.
0: I think local community really matters. Yeah. Mitch. We covered a wide array of topics. This was both <laughs> interesting and a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Evan, thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. I can't say I'm pretty jealous of you. So enjoy that beautiful sun and I'll be here freezing until hopefully as soon as possible when it turns spring.
0: It'll be spring yeah. before we know it. So uh, yeah, hopefully. Come down and visit. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wingren Podcast with Mitch Schusteris. As a recap, we discussed marketing with a patient-first lens, the importance of connecting with the communities that you serve, and how to scale and measure local marketing initiatives and tactics. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Evan Brandoff. See you next time. Play on, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating at leagueside.com podcast. For more educational and inspiring content, You can follow LeagueSide on LinkedIn and Instagram at LeagueSide underscore. See you next time.